0: You talked about the last series, love, victory, sight, breath, water, bread, and symbols. It's been huge. It's been, it's been very interesting in making the shift of our understanding that God has more for us. So let's just pray that God will actually illuminate our thoughts today. Would y'all pray with me? Father, we just thank you so much. Thank you so much for this Pentecost Sunday. We just asked you just to fall. So just come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Change our hearts, change our minds. Please illuminate your truth in the depths of our soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, in one of the longest chapters of the Bible, the longest chapter, Psalms 119, is a very important scripture for us. In our journey with Christ. It says this, verse 105: Your word, the Lord, the word, the Bible, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. This is this is a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light unto my path. It's almost like your word kind of illuminates my feet, or you know what? It's a, it's a light to my path. See how important that is right there? It's a lamp, but it's also a light. It, it gives me some illumination, but boy, exterior, it gives me clear direction at the same time. Very interesting how that works, how God even does that. I'm going to show you a little bit more about that, and it's all through this thing right here, and every one of you, and you're probably even holding one in your phone, and you got it in every, almost every language. By 2030... The Bible will be trans will be translated into 99.96 of every language, every dialect that's in the world. Wow. And it does exactly what I just showed you. It illuminates your direction and it light and it gives light to your path and there is a path. You need to know that there is a specific path for your life that God has destined and ordained and planned. And he's inviting us into it, and it's an exciting journey, and it's just for you. It's just been written just for you. What you need to know is in order to get there, we've got to get rid of some of the darkness so that we can illuminate the path. So number one thing we need to know is light dispels darkness. I want to take a poll here. Let's just show a raise of hands. Who has ever gotten up in 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 the middle of the night, and you've kind of gone to the bathroom, and you stubbed your toe? Who has gotten up in the middle of the night twice to go to the bathroom and you stubbed your toe at least one of those times? Yeah, you know, you're getting old. Or maybe you had to check the kids in the middle of the night, you know, whatever, Uh, but you stubbed your toe. And the reality is not because you're clumsy, and it's not because I'm clumsy. It's because I didn't have a lamp on my feet to guide me, around my feet to guide me where I was going, to give me, in, give me visibility around the, the, do- the darkness and the, the things that we might cause a stumbling block in my life. And so I didn't have anything to remove the darkness from before me. And while, while we struggle with that darkness, let's take it to a spiritual sense, while we struggle with darkness in our lives, God is not in a struggle with darkness. He, he does not struggle with darkness. When, we turn, when you walk into a room and you turn on a light, light dispels darkness, right? It doesn't, it doesn't come in and struggle with, I'm slowly, you don't see light slowly moving the darkness out of your room. Immediately when you hit the switch, light dispels, it removes the darkness. However, side note, if you do turn a light on in your room and there is still a dark shadow remaining in the middle of your room, let me know. We'll call Rick and Lori. They will come <laughs> over. They will cast that thing out in Jesus' name, and there will be no issues with light in your room. And that's exactly our spiritual life right there. We, don't, we, we struggle, but God is not struggling. The light of the world is not struggling with darkness. And when you walk in the room, it's, you expose it. You're exposing, and all darkness is is an absence of light. Isn't that interesting? That's the way, that's the way it is defined, an absence of light. And it's the same way in our, our own lives. The, the only places we have darkness is because there's an absence of the true, the light of the world being in our light. Look at this. John 3.20 says, For everyone practice, practicing evil hates the light. Just, I just, just doesn't like to go to the light. And does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. It means, it, the, the, we like to say, oh, if you, if you practice evil, you hate Jesus. That's not what it's saying. If you you have been caught in sin, or if you have found yourself stumbling over sin, what it's saying is, internally, you're carrying so much guilt, you don't want to come to the Word of God, because you know the Word of God says something contrary to what you've been doing, and it's going to expose the darkness that's in your soul, the darkness that's in your eyes. And it's almost a shame that Satan puts in your heart that says, don't go read that because God's going to condemn you. And it's, very, it's Satan's very trick to condemn you. And in the midst of that, God is sitting here celebrating you, just drawing you in. He's drawing like a mosquito to a light. He's like, because come on in, come on in, because I want to read your thoughts. I want to expose the darkness that's in your life with the light of the world. So what happens is Satan tries the trick and he says, don't you go there don't you go there. And so therefore, we think, I can't go to the Word. It's shame, it's guilt, it's condemnation. And though we know logically it's there, we don't want to go read it because there is power in the Word of God that exposes that very darkness that we're struggling with. Let me give you a little analogy, because I know you guys are great visual learners. And I was a little concerned with, say, like Jaden's age and Noreen's age and and maybe even Wesley and and, and Ingrid, but there was this thing that they used to put in these cameras. Cameras are not only just on your phone. There's this thing that was like, they called it film. It was was like really plasticky. I know, Shay, it's blowing your mind. I just see you like, what? Revolutionary. It it was like plasticky, and it, it was kind of a dark brown, and you would put it inside of a camera, and you would take a picture of what you're looking at and internally it would it would superimpose the image that you're looking at onto that film and you had to keep it in a dark place and in fact you would have to go into a dark room to expose the 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 picture but if you brought it into the light it would expose and dispel everything that was on that film and there's something very spiritual about that Because there's images that we're taking in our mind all throughout the day. Maybe we're tired. Maybe we're exhausted. Maybe we're hungry. Maybe we just haven't fed on the Word of God, the bread of life. We haven't had the wellspring coming up in us a while, and we're taking mental pictures of things we shouldn't. Maybe it's a lustful image of another individual. Maybe it's a vehicle you really wanted. Maybe it's a career you think you should have. Maybe it's a house. Well, I've been looking at all these houses, and I'm just starting to lust over these houses. Boy, I want, boy, I want that i want everything that comes with that and we start to build up these mental pictures and all of a sudden those things become such a focus that they drive our internal existence and why we do what we do the decisions we make all of a sudden come out of these lusts of the flesh the lusts of the eyes the prides of life and they start to move us forward and all of a sudden, we are like a deer in the headlights, and we can't see anything that's really going on because we're so shell-shocked on these, these, these prideful, these desireful, these lustful things. And here God is saying, hey, let me just, let me just expose that for a second. Let me, let me bring that out. And if there's darkness in your life, let me tell you, you need to bring it into the light of the Word, the word and it needs to be exposed. Those things need to no longer drive our decision-making why we do what we do, and it's time for us to go into the light of the Word and start reading, God, what, is you, what do you say about this? What do you say about those things? What, are, what does your Word say about those things? And, and I'm going to show you how to get into that. I'm going to show you how to understand that a little bit deeper. Look at this. Luke 11:33 and 34 says, No one, when he has lit a lamp, Put, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light, the lamp of the body is the eye. Like you might have a, when we're going to talk about LEDs, you might have a 3000K, or maybe you have a 4000K, or maybe you have a, a watt, so let's talk about 20 watt, or a 40 watt, or a 60 watt. The higher that number goes, the brighter it gets, Right? And that's all dependent on the things that I'm looking at throughout the day, throughout my life, throughout my week. What am I setting my eyes on? What am I allowing to get, begin to work down in my soul? What is it that I'm feasting my eyes upon? Because that's the very thing that's going to decide what, how many lumens I have in my soul. What wattage my life is putting out. What it looks like. How many Kelvin my LED, my internal LED is really putting out into this world. That starts to dictate my decision-making, how I serve the Lord, how I serve others, how I respond to the Lord, how I respond to life situations whenever that stuff starts to bubble up. That's a big one. That's a big one. And he says, look at this. At the end of your day, I want to challenge you to look at your screen time. Look at your screen time. And then I want you to ask yourself: Have I put that much screen time in the Word of God? Have I put that much screen time into positive things? You ever notice how the world is just driving darkness through media into your soul, moment after moment? As soon as I wake up, the first things that pop up, and I thought I canceled these notifications with CNN, another murder, another, another, another thing. A stop at the border, another. You know, you just fill it in. It's never positive. It's always negative, 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 darkness, 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 and it's being driven into our lamp, into the eyes of our soul. We're internalizing that, and all of a sudden, it's starting to make the justification and the decisions that we make in our own lives and the way that we speak out about life in general, and a lot of times, we're controlling it. We're looking at the wrong light. It's the screen time and the things we allow on the screen time. Ever notice how Facebook always has a lot of negativity? But you look at Instagram and there's positivity. And I'm not saying the behind the scenes. I have no idea what these companies believe. But there's something interesting even spiritually. When I go in and I look at Facebook, I'm like, golly, it's just negativity. Then I go in and look at uh, Instagram and think, oh, that's very positive, very happy, very joyful. There's things that you'll start to notice that start to cringe your spirit a little bit. You'll start to learn that there's a check in your spirit and you'll start to learn that the Holy Spirit is actually trying to guide you through those little checks to, to create a sensitivity to following his spirit. And how you respond to those checks decide how, decides how closely you're going you're to follow the Holy Spirit. We'll Build on that. And you may say, you know what? I've been through a lot. I've seen a lot. I've done a lot. I've looked at some things that I shouldn't have looked at. I've done some things. I I followed the thing, the lusts that were in my heart. That because of the things that I was looking at, and I ended up doing a lot of things I shouldn't have done. And you, you don't understand. You don't, you don't understand what I've been through. And I'm going to tell you, yes, I, yes, I do. I know exactly what you've been through. I have a past. I have a past. I've looked at those very things. I've done those very things. I know what it looks like, to, feels like, to not want to go to God's Word, in fact, run from God's Word, knowing what it says, but I don't want my darkness to be exposed. And, I'm, and I'm that, I have the potential of being that very man at any moment as soon as I get out of the light of God's Word and I quit meditating on His Word and I quit serving Him according to His Word and I quit I this quit making my decisions based on His Word. When I make them on the emptiness of my soul or the exhaustion of my, the lack of rest that's going on in my mind, that's trickling down in my soul, and I start to make decisions from that place, all of a sudden, I'm not the man that I'm called to be. I know what that looks like. I know what that feels like. I know, I know the discernment that goes on. Here's what scripture says. It says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Satan would love no more than for me to fall into those temptations and start living out of those soulish desires. And it's the same for you. It's exactly the same for you. It is exactly the reason that you have even so much more pressure on you, keeping you from reading the Word of God and keeping you from serving God altogether because he knows once you start realizing what your purpose is, it just lights a fire up inside of you and you know your calling and you're willing to do anything, sacrifice anything to go after that calling and that is dangerous to Satan. That's dangerous to Satan. He hates it. This is why he tried to, change, tried to exchange a, a, a counterfeit for the authentic whenever he was tempting Jesus in the wilderness. Everything that Satan knew that Jesus was purposed for, he was trying to offer a counterfeit version in the wilderness with, with, while he was there with all of his wild beasts. Remember last week? And Satan's doing the same thing for you because he knows what God has created and purposed you for, and he trembles, and he's trying to put his fear in your life. And the moment we get out of this word and we forget what Jesus says over us, that God the Father is singing songs of deliverance over us, we start to believe the lies of the screen time that we've been putting our eyes on. Do you really want to be free? You remember when Jesus asked the lame man, "Do you really want to be healed?" Do you really want to be free?" That's the big question. Because when we really want to be free, we'll do whatever it takes to find freedom. We'll do whatever it takes. And I promise you, if you will read God's Word for at least 30 minutes a day and meditate on His Word, you will expose the dark images that are in your lamp that have trickled down into your soul, that have calls the decision-making that's keeping you in the bondage or the situation that you might be in, the life pattern that you might be in, you expose those things in the Word of God. I promise you, you will start to see those old images, the things that you might watch and you had lustful feelings over. Whenever you see those things again, you'll cringe inside. You'll feel that prompting of the Holy Spirit and say, I don't want to get any close to that. And when you do, the very things that you've been striving and praying and seeking after, because you are willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, God will give you increase. The reason is you've removed some things that he didn't want in there. He's identifying. You took a risk because those things were comfortable before. That was a comfort zone. I can hide this. I can keep hold on to this and nobody will ever know. But when God starts to expose those things, he's saying, I'll have, I have greater things for you if you will partner with me and remove this from your life. Increase begins to happen. Guess what that good news is there? More challenges come along. Look, Psalms 118, says, for you will light my lamp. You, Lord, will light my lamp. The Lord, my God, will enlighten my darkness. Man, isn't that beautiful? Yes. Isn't that beautiful? I'm going to tell you about a dream that I had while I was living in Austin. In fact, that, that's part of my dream that made me, made me moved me to Mary Alley. I, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I, just this dream had resounded inside of me, and it was just the darkest of dark places And I saw something way in a distance, like a a gold city on a hill. However, I knew that there was other hills before it in between me and that city. I could see the caps, the the heights, the the little mountains, the cusps, the the covers of those hills. Well, in a moment, there there appeared the image of Jesus, uh, the shadow of Jesus, the appearance of Jesus, what I knew to be Jesus. I'm not going to say that Jesus in all of his glory showed up to me. It wasn't like that. He showed up, and there was like an internal conversation going on, and all of a sudden there was a, a, a gold block that lit up in, in front of me, and then there was a woman, and then there was kids, and then there was people, and the, the internal conversation immediately led me to know that if I follow him one step at a time, then he's going to bring, he will bring the wife that he has for me. He will give me the kids that he has for me. He will bring the friends that he has for me. He will bring the ministry that he has for me. And as I thought through internally the things that he was showing me, another step lit up and another step lit up. I couldn't see the whole path. In fact, I knew it was going to be ups and downs. But I don't get these things. Unless I trust him in this thing. That was huge. Yeah. To understand that one, one, la- one light, one step at a time, he's going to illuminate my path. God will enlighten my darkness. And boy, I had some stuff to get out of me. So number one was light dispels darkness. Number two, light recovers lost things. And if you lose something, go get your light. Yeah. If you lose something, go get your light, right? You go, if you're in the car and lost something in between your car, your seat, and, and the little... The little uh, console right there, you're in there looking, you're underneath, you're trying to find that thing, or under your bed, where is that? All I can see is dust everywhere. You're, you're looking to try to find where that thing is, right? And that's the same thing. When I lost something, I need to go get in the Word, I need to find what it is. Look at this, Luke 8, 15, 8 through 10, is a parable about coins, but they're just a symbol, we're talking about symbols, a symbol for people. Or what woman, verse 8 says, or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace, talking about people, which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents, over one sinner who repents and while satan is condemning and trying to bring division god is encouraging and he's trying to bring hope and enlighten your path to freedom because yes. he knows boy if this one thing if if, if, god, if this if my if my saint just repents over this one next thing there's going to be a great illumination there's going to be a great change there's going to be a great shift for the body in which he influences And he's sitting there, and the host of angels are just waiting and watching. We talked about lost something. We're talking about people in this situation, but what if you lose something? What if you lose a job? You go to the Word of God. What if you lose a relationship? You go to the Word of God. What if you lose an investment? The answer is in the Word of God. What if you lose your integrity? You go to the Word of God. What about your reputation? You go to the Word of God. What you need is in there. Remember, we're talking about true riches are people to God. This is why God tests us with earthly wealth, earthly riches. Our minds are so focused on the soulish things. God is trying to check the condition of our soul with these earthly things to say, can I trust them with real, real riches? There's a shift that has to happen from soul to spirit, and our soul is so stuck, so stuck on earthly things, the pride of life, the lust of life. He's saying, can I trust you? Can you hand over those things for people? Can I trust you with these things? And look at this. Let's talk a little bit about control and trust, because there's a natural transition. There's a natural transition when it comes to even to our kids, right? As they transition, whenever they're children, like Naomi, you're telling them everything they need to do. Here's what you do. And they get into adolescence, you start asking the right questions so that they know how to answer those questions, so they know how to make decisions on their own. And then hopefully you've done a good job so that by the time they turn into adulthood, we're supposed to be able to start releasing control and trusting that we have enough trust and openness in that relationship so that we can at least still speak into that situation. And that's that's the struggle with us in our walk because we still want to have control over everything. And our soul has a struggle, trusting God with the decisions of our life, his word and his voice. And we want to hold on and control everything that takes place because of the issues that are going on in our soul because of the thing that we've been illuminating our lamp with. And the very abstract, the opposite thing that's driving us is the very thing we don't want. And we fall into this situation over and over and over and over again. It's the same when we make decisions from our spirit. We release control when we start making decisions from our spirit rather than our soul. Look at this. Remember Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit. word of God's. It, It pierces even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And this word of God is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of my heart. We make decisions from our soul. That's our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's where we're making all of our decisions and all the effects of life. And what is happening is a fruit and is a result of things that have happened right here. Mind, will, and emotions. And that's how we decide things. But the Bible doesn't divide the soul. It divides the soul and the spirit. It divides what we think is right, what we feel is right, with what truly is right. I want you to get that. What we think is right, Well, I just think this is right, Or, or this just feels right, with what really is right. That's how the Word of God divides what we are to believe and what we are to live out. And this is important because when we're carrying around wounds in our soul, it's hard for us to respond to life situations in a way that truly is the light of God's Word. This is why when we say things like, I'm just going to be me, that could be one of the biggest problems that we have. (laughs) Because... Because most of us are in bondage to the very definition that we have of freedom. Yeah. Well, I just want to be free. Okay, yet your freedom is driving you further and further into bondage because you're making decisions on what you think is right or what you feel is right rather than going to the Word of God and saying, oh, this is right. This is what is right. And it, it, I love this quote, even a good answer to a bad question is not a good answer. We got to start answering, asking ourselves the right question. Not how do I feel about this or what do I think is right, but what does God's word say? These are two different answers. These are two different answers. And one has value, one gives life, one, one has prosperity because when, we're, when we live according to the word of God, we're talking about when the prosperity, when God comes alongside us and he can bless what he says. I'm not talking about all this financial uh, name it and claim it stuff. I'm talking about when God actually moves on our behalf because we're willing to live and decide and and sacrifice according to his word. The light of the world, being in God's word brings healing when we will get into it before we make decisions on our matters of life and relationships. Our current, get this, our current levels of freedom draw us into new arenas for wholeness. Our current levels of freedom draw us into new arenas for wholeness. Let me say it this way. Our current level of freedom brings encounters of old wounds. Wow. We go around. This is, why I say, this is why God says when he's going to drive out the nations little by little so that they don't overcome you. Yeah. We get levels of freedom. Yeah. I got this this morning actually in worship. We get levels of freedom. I knew I was supposed to bring this. I didn't know why. And it's like we have this, we're, we're like this lake of water. We're a body of water. And, and life happens, and we get junk. We get junk that just kind of sifts down to the bottom of, of our souls. We got little stuff that's kind of floating around, particles, you know, yay. That's easy stuff. That, this, this is tough stuff. My mom left me when I was young. I got molested, I was raped, I've been bankrupt. My friends in fifth grade wouldn't accept me. All the kids at the lockers laughed at me and put things on my locker. You think that doesn't bother you, but it does. It's, it's equally, it's almost as bad as having been, been raped, been molested. It's all your response to the situation that takes place. None of these are OK. Right. None of these are validated. That's right. All of these are real. And all of these control our lives, yes. especially undealt with. Yes. My pastor didn't like me. My re- my, my, he wouldn't return my phone call. <laughs> I'm just kind of thinking throwing stuff out there. I've been here lately. No <laughs> My boss, I tell you what? can't believe it little stuff somebody hit my car with a with a cart in walmart <laughs> now the sun shines we know nat, nat, god gives us the ecosystem it's pretty pretty this is not this is the sun yeah. now the sun is not the sun okay we're not going to get into that different religion stuff <laughs> but we know there's evaporation in life there's situational changes. There's things that we go through. And we're not in the Word. We kind of we lose some of our, some of our fluid. We, kinda, we, we don't retain everything when we're not in the Word of God. We're not really spending time. He's still shining light. He's revealing stuff. This is starting to come to the surface. And we start to deal with this stuff a little bit. And we think, man. I'm good. I am free. I finally forgave the person who put a dent in my SUV with that cart. I've learned to park out by the Walmart gas station now." That's my wise response. That's true. I realized my pastor was just too busy with his family, and he was ministering to 15 other people that week. He was a little tired. I forgive him. It bubbled up to the top. Whew, I'm free. I just won't go to that church anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Then life happens, and it continues, and we're doing pretty good. For some reason, we're, we're not getting all the replenishment. We go through seasons. It's a rainy season. We got into the Word. We, got, we raised up a little bit. We go back and forth right here. But then all of a sudden, we have an interaction with the Holy Spirit. And who's the wellspring of life? Spring up, oh well. And then life starts to just bubble up. And this is where, this is where the sustaining life happens. But boy, it starts, to punt, it starts to move this stuff up. It starts to bring up old stuff. Here, here's the line where I'm moving into new levels of life, my, I'm new, new levels of spirituality, new levels of relationship. I'm, I'm getting back in the game. Yes, I was divorced, but I'm going to get back out there because I'm completely healed from everything because I gave it enough time. That marriage stuff starts to come up. I can't believe it. They're just like so-and-so. I got some daddy issues. My husband's just like. I got some mama issues. She left me. All women. You can't trust them. I'll never open my heart to these people. You can't trust them. They're just going to leave you just like your mother did. That stuff starts to bubble up. and when we live out of the soul, we repeat the very situation that we tried to get out of. We push it back down, and we make it bigger, and we make it better, and we justify. We justify, and every time we start to justify, that stuff gets closer and closer to the top because we are reducing the fluid that's in our lives because we're not leaning towards the sun, and we're not letting the wellspring of life come in, and the very thing that he intended to push this old stuff up to the surface so that it could be X'd out and dealt with by the sun... We just responded out of our souls, and we pushed it deeper and deeper inside of us, and we cut this off because that's causing the problem right there. I'm going to move away from that voice of the Lord because he's bringing too much stuff up. He's wanting me to do some stuff that I'm uncomfortable with, and now my problems just got bigger and bigger. I might as well go live in isolation somewhere. And that's what really happens in every one of our souls, no one is exempt from that very thing happening right now. And we're all dealing with different bubbles. Even myself. We're dealing with different bubbles. And it's in your face, and you're, you see it, and you're choosing there's a there's a there's a check in your spirit, and it happens right here. And you choose. I'm not going to deal with it. I want to run away. I'm going to get some more screen time. I'm going to go. I'm going to go eat. I'm going to go spend some money. I'm going to vacation. It's Tahiti. Here I come. I need rest. Finally, I've been trying to deal with all this, but obviously this, I can't do it. I need a vacation. And so we run. We go to pornography. We go to the we go to the casino. We run. We go find something that's comforting, we, we, we feed our soul, yes. and we dry out our spirit. Yes. And we're left hungry. Unfortunately, many of us make these soulless decisions. Let's talk about job change, church change, relationship change, marriage decisions, children's decisions. We're going to talk a little bit more of that over the summer. That's going to be this summer right there, but much, much more. The very situation, get this, the very situation that prompts you to make a soulish decision is the one in which you're still in bondage to. The very decision, the, thing, the very situation that I come upon, come upon and it causes me to make a soulish decision is the very thing that I'm still in bondage to. So if you want to identify bondage, just identify where you're making soulish decisions and not going to the word of God. It might be easier to start identifying the ones you are making decisions according to the Word of God so that you can expose all of the ones that we're making out of I think, I feel, here's what's best for me. It might be faster to go ahead and identify the shorter list so that you can really bring light on the larger, larger list. But look at this. But there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And in the moment we see this, God, forgive me. Lord, I forgive that person for all that they did. God, please forgive me for ever thinking that all women will treat me like my mother did and leave me. Forgive me for thinking that all men will always treat me like my father did and and do those very things. And, And forgive me for declaring those things over my spouse, all of our marriage, and putting them in the very position of the fear and the hurt and the wound that I'm carrying in my soul. Light dispels darkness. Light recovers lost things. And three, light shows the way. It's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I mentioned these decisions, so let's talk about these. Ever wonder why, who to marry? What car to buy? What career path to take? What house do I buy? What school district do I move to to put my, my kids in? What church do I serve in? What business do I start? When do I retire? What college do I attend I'm going to give you the way. The Bible has both general, and then the Lord has a specific way. We like to call it the logos, general, and then there's a specific way as well. General is, is usually how. So how do I know who to marry? Well, you start with this. This will give you a clear definition on the how. The who is where you go to the Lord. I like to encourage people to go to the Lord beforehand with a three-by-five note card and in prayer, in His presence, begin to write down five characteristics, no more than five characteristics, spiritual, spiritual, natural. Boy, so charismatic, baptized in the Holy Spirit, hopefully saved. That would be the how right here. Yeah, yeah. This answers that question. Yes. Then we go into maybe it's, you know what, I want her to be pretty. I can't roll over every morning and you know be scared. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> oh. Maybe you like brown hair. Okay, God's okay with that. He created it. And what we do is, for you hunters out there, we start putting a scope on that thing rather than a shotgun. When we don't have these things... We haven't gone to the presence of the Lord and said, Lord, let's work these things out. We have this shotgun effect, and we'll take any job, we'll take any spouse, we'll take any situation, we'll take any church, we'll take any anything, because we haven't narrowed it down. We haven't gone to the Lord and said, first how, and then we go into the presence of the Lord, and we seek His voice and say, okay, now what, when, and where? What, when, and where? He gives us these specifics if we'll pursue Him check him, watch over him, and look to see what he's saying. I don't even have enough time. If, if, just, just go through, if you'll go to this next slide uh, image right here. I, I was reminded about this this week, forgot about it altogether. It, it, this happened in 2012. It's been a time whenever I had left Honduras and I was in a break time and I was going back to Honduras two days before I was about to go back to Honduras. And Allie and I were just talking and getting to know each other and I was wondering what do I do this is Deuteronomy 11 most importantly Deuteronomy 11 and and so I'm sitting there and I'm in the word and as, if you could even read it it says it's at 1:50 a.m and so I'm 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 struggling I, I really am like Lord what do we do where where am I going what, what am I going to do I had no idea in ministry what we were supposed to be doing I just knew I was serving I was trying to help the ministry that I was a part of I was helping there in Honduras. I had just become the pastor of missions at another church, and there I was struggling. I don't know how to do any of this. Lord, I need help. And, and in a moment, God gives me this. It says in Deuteronomy eleven eleven, but the land in which you are about to cross to possess it, a land of hills and valleys, drinks water from the rain of heaven. And boy, that, that definitely described the spiritual journey I was on. It also described... The place I was going, the geographic location I was going. A land, verse 12, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning even to the end of the year. It shall come about if you listen obediently. And this is where it started to light me up. Listen obediently to my commandments, which I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul. Verse 14, that he will give the rain for your land in its season, the early and the late rain, that you may gather in your grain and your new wine and your oil. To me, he was speaking to me, he's going to provide provision if you'll just walk in obedience. And boy, it ain't easy. It's not easy because my soul is like cut and run. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm out of here. Verse 15 says, he will give grass in your fields for the, your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. Then he goes into the beware of your hearts, not, that your heart's not deceived, and that you do not turn away and serve god's, other gods and worship them. He continues on through 18, 19, 20, into 25. And in that moment, I'm reading the Word. He takes both of these. He illuminates the Word of God, and he says, I'm about to show you your path. The natural man says, okay, great, there's mountains, and hills, and there's valleys, and there's going to be some rain, wonderful. But when the spiritual eyes are opened up, God starts to illuminate the Word of God and He starts to show you something specifically for you and He translates the very general Word that He has and He turns it into something very relational, very revelational, very emotional, very powerful. And all of a sudden, you go from a time of I don't know what's going to happen to that's what's going to happen. I go back to this country and we start a ministry for young, young youth gang members that were in a, bo- a, a poor area, poverty-stricken area. Before I go there, look at the next, next one. And here's what I wrote as the Lord started illuminating my path. He gave me verse Matthew 19, 23 through 26, which basically says it, how hard it is for a rich man to get into heaven and easier for a camel to float, go through the eye of a needle. And then he says this, with God, all things are possible. And then he writes, I'll start writing this. In our works and ideas, it is, it is not possible, but with God leading our decision-making and visions, this is 2012, with God leading our decision-making and visions, all things are possible. We can't save the people, but our obedience to what God is calling us to do, He will save them unto Himself. Wow. We shouldn't minimize what God is wanting to do into one controlled situation, but be fruitful and multiply what He is doing within us, with, with us in many areas building relationships, establishing people where they are. This coincides with what God originally put on my heart in supplying the needs in areas where people are wanting to passionately serve him. We need to train and have workshops. Does that sound like Thrive Community Church to you? I haven't been reviewing this. This is something that God illuminated seven years ago and stuck down in my soul because I allowed him to show me through this. I allowed him to illuminate this into my soul and let this take place of, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut and run. I quit. I'm out of here because nobody else will tell me the answers. I'll go to the Word of God and see what he says about it. That's right. And that was about That was about the most of it that happened in that season. A few months later, I come back to the States. Now uh, transition happens. I'm staying in the States now so I can learn to shepherd the people. Meanwhile, the people that I trained up there continue that youth ministry. Now they've graduated out of high school. They've taught these kids how to build guitars, how to build furniture. They've graduated them through mechanics classes. They're learning English. These are former gang members. And let me tell you this, the first group that we, tried to, we ministered to, one of them got shot in the head right behind the church that we, that we were ministering at. Wow. And he was the most hungry. You could see it in his eyes. For about two weeks, it held off everything that we were doing, and then the rest of them came back. And now they're graduated. Now they have life. Let me just press pause on that for a second, because everything transitioned. And if I would have said, no, this is what God told me to do, I'm going to do this no matter what, I would have been very disgruntled. But there's time when God gives you vision of things that are to come and He starts to work inside of us the character, the attitude, the spiritual nature, the very things that we need so that we can fulfill that thing later in life. And there comes the journey along the bubbling up. In human minds, we think, no, this is what God says right now. I need to go run, and do this. Now we're not ready. We're hurting people all along the way while we're trying to do that very thing right now. And we don't realize God set us on a course for healing so that one day he could do that thing from us. And when we don't do that, when we don't allow it, we give up, we quit, and we never fulfill the calling of God on our lives. Praise, prayer, and proclamation. I'm going to go through this really quickly. Psalms 104 says enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise be thankful to him and bless his name if we go in focused if we go into prayer focused on the hurts of our soul we are preparing to manipulate what we hear you need to hear that if i go into prayer focused on the hurts in my soul i am preparing to manipulate what god might say to me according to the hurt in my soul But if I go in with praise and thanksgiving, I am setting that thing to the side, that hurt. I'm setting that hurt to the side. And I'm saying, praise you, God, because you are amazing. Thank you for all that you do. Lord, I praise you with all that I am. I empty out my soul to you because you can do all things. With me, it is impossible. But with you, God, all things are possible. And I just begin to focus in on him. And I meditate on his goodness. And I begin to see him on the throne of my life. And I place him on there. And I take the problems uh, off the throne. And I put him back on the throne who belongs there. All of a sudden, I've cleansed myself. I've positioned myself to hear from God and from that place I begin my prayer. I encourage you to start writing those things out. Here's what I feel like God is saying to my to the depths of my soul. I may not even agree with it because it's, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good in the sense of, I don't know that that can even happen. I don't like this, but you're allowing God to lead and not to hurt in your soul. He may be saying, you need to go forgive that person. You need to call that spouse that beat you and tell them how much I love you and I'm thankful for all that we had and I'm so glad that God is doing something in your life and I've been praying for you and so thank you for the situation. that we were able to go through ouch that hurts I did it I wasn't being beaten but boy I went through a lot of emotional stress it's hard I don't want to take it into this one prayer prayer be anxious for nothing. If I'm anxious for something and I'm in prayer, I need, to, I, need to go, I need to go put it to the side. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything of prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that your requests be known to God. Proclamation. Are my thoughts, what's this situation that I'm dealing with, the situation that I've been through? God, what does your word say about it? I need to declare your word over this situation I need, I've taken from you. I've heard you. I've written out my prayers and I'm listening to you, Lord. What does your word say? How do you say to deal with this and walk, walk through this thing? Because now I'm positioned in a place of humility and submission before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and His throne. I am now at His feet allowing Him to be the Lord rather than my hurt to be the Lord. And I can do some stuff from this place, but from here I'm proud, I'm arrogant, and I'm defending my wounds. I'm justified. And for some reason, I keep getting more shallow and more shallow and more shallow. Wow. Proclamation, agreement. Real, real quickly, the Old Testament is 100% true. Even Jonah and the whale, it happened. But for exegesis purposes, you need to know that there is, there is allegorical content in the Old Testament that you can take and you apply it in the New Testament. New Testament is 100% application. I'll give you an example. This week, we were eating our families together, and uh, Allie said, Oh, Lord, and I said, I prefer that you call me Little L. Abraham called Sarah Lord. It just makes me feel uncomfortable, especially in the presence of others. <laughs> Allegorically, you don't have to call your spouse, your, your wife, Lord. <laughs> New Testament says you should respect him. You should respect him. You see, the, you see the allegory and then the application. And so know that whenever you go to find a word from the Lord in, in the word. Know that there's, in the Old Testament, there's great allegory, but it's all 100% true. But it should point us to a principle that we can apply to our situation. Gives us the how. God can illuminate that and give us the who, the what, the where, the when. And then we just trust him from there because that's the spirit-empowered life right there. This book... This book is more than words and it will change your life if you'll read it, if you'll meditate on it. And if you'll you'll read and meditate on this word 30 minutes a day for two months, you will read through the whole New Testament. Just 30 minutes, two months, every day. And those images that are in your soul will be exposed. But beware, because they're going to bubble up. And they're going to have to be dealt with. Just do it just do it. I want to pray for you. And just ask the Holy Spirit what's the one thing that you want to illuminate in my life. What's the one thing? The ble- the best place from there's just to agree with him. You're right, Lord. You're right, Lord. And he may even be giving you a verse or maybe some podcast or pastor you heard him in a long time ago and you know it but your soul wrestles with it and it's that whole control and trust thing. And what the enemy doesn't want you to know is for as long as you hold on to that thing it controls you. And for as long as you hold on to that thing you can't find the healing that God has purposed for you and I know I touched on a lot of difficult topics today but I want you to know I've been there I've been through it I understand there's no condemnation in this place there's healing in this place and it's being brought up to the sun. let's deal with it father I just thank you so much for your grace and your mercy Thank you that they are new every day, and thank you that you're bringing things up so that you can heal, you can solve, you can resolve, that you can strengthen your saints through. Thank you for your word, and thank you that it's true. Thank you that they are more than words. Thank you that you light our path when we submit our our souls and our issues, our struggles to you, and we, we let you illuminate everything that we are according to you and your word. We praise you. We lift you up. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I'm gonna-